When you hear the name Oscar Pistorius, many people think of him as Blade Runner. He's remembered as the South African former professional sprinter who as a double amputee competed in three Paralympic Games and the 2012 Summer Olympics. He was celebrated as the first amputee runner to ever compete at an Olympics game. He inspired hope in the lives of not only disabled athletes, but athletes of all shapes, sizes, and abilities. He proved that anything was possible. But Blade Runner won't just be remembered for his athletic achievements. He will also be remembered as a murderer. In 2015, he was found guilty for murdering his girlfriend, Reva Steenkamp, on Valentine's Day, 2013. He claimed he thought it was an intruder trying to break into his house. Prosecutors say that is a lie. This is Forensic Tales, Episode 28, the story of the former South African professional sprinter, Oscar Pistorius. Welcome to Forensic Tales. I'm your host, Courtney Fretwell. Forensic Tales is a weekly true crime podcast that discusses real, bone-chilling true crime stories and how forensic science has been used in the case. Some cases have been solved through cutting-edge forensic techniques, while other cases remain unsolved. If you're interested in supporting the show and getting access to exclusive content and bonus material, consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Forensic Tales. Every contribution, big or small, helps me to continue to produce the true crime content you love. Please consider supporting the show on Patreon. Before we get into the episode, I want to give a huge shout out to our show's newest patron, William. Thank you so much, William, and welcome to the club. Now, let's talk about Oscar Pistorius. Oscar Pistorius was born Oscar Leonard Carl Pistorius on November 22, 1986 in South Africa. His parents, Henk and Sheila Pistorius, really prided themselves on creating a family with really strong Christian values. Oscar grew up with an older brother, Carl, and a younger sister, Amy. Oscar was born with fibular hemilia in both of his legs. This meant he was born without a fibula bone in either of his legs. Now, it's not exactly clear as to what exactly causes this condition in humans, 
There have been cases of genetics within a family, but then not in others. And some possible causes for someone to be born without one or both of their fibula bones are viral infections in their mother sometime during pregnancy, or it's also been linked to embryotic trauma sometime during pregnancy. So at the age of just 11 months, Oscar's parents decided to have both of his legs amputated right between the knee and the ankle. This decision, although it must have been just extremely difficult for his parents to make, would give Oscar the chance of being able to walk someday, although it be with prosthetics. And the surgery was successful. By all accounts, Oscar grew up just like any other kid. He didn't see himself as different from the rest of the kids. His parents didn't see him any different. His siblings didn't see him any different. Oscar was just like the rest of the kids his age. As he got older, Oscar attended an all-boys high school. In school, he played rugby, he played tennis, and he even joined the water polo team. At one point, Oscar even took part in the club Olympic wrestling program. And according to one of his coaches, even though Oscar didn't have half of his legs, he was still able to do most of the exercises just like everyone else. During high school in June 2003, while playing rugby, Oscar suffered a pretty serious knee injury. His doctor, the same doctor that performed the double amputation on him as a baby, was really concerned about what the injury would do to Oscar's ability to not only continue to play sports, but also his ability to run and walk. But As a part of his rehabilitation at the University of Pretoria's High Performance Center, Oscar was introduced to running for the very first time. According to his coach, once Oscar was introduced to running, he, quote, never looked back. Once it was discovered that Oscar Pistorius had a natural-born talent for running, he needed to find the right kind of racing blades, which proved to be pretty difficult. His first pair of racing blades that were actually designed by an engineer, well, they broke. So the second pair was designed by an Icelandic company, and these blades worked so much better for Oscar. Oscar competed in T44 events as an athlete, even though he was actually classified as a T43. So T44 athletes are those with single below-the-knee amputations, and T43 athletes are those with double below-the-knee amputations. So he was primarily competing against single amputee athletes while he was a double amputee. Oscar was invited to compete in the 2004 Summer Paralympic Games in Athens. And for his first appearance in the Paralympics, he did really, really well. He won a gold medal in the 200 meters, 
even setting a world record of 21.97 seconds. And he also won a silver medal in the 100 meters. After coming home from the Paralympic Games in Athens, Oscar finished in sixth place in the non-disabled South African Championships in the 400-meter event in 2005. Later that same year, he went on to win gold in both the 100 and 200 meters at the Paralympics World Cup. Oscar started studying business management with sports science at the University of Pretoria in 2006. But most, if not all, of his attention was focused on running and sprinting. He had even joked with the university's newspaper that with the amount of running and training he was doing, he'd be lucky to graduate from college by the time he's 30 years old. Over the next couple years, Oscar wasn't just competing in T44 events. He was also participating in non-disabled races and winning. He set his next goal of competing at the 2008 Summer Olympics in Beijing, but not in the Paralympics. He wanted to compete in the Olympics. As his running career really started to take off, there came some criticism about whether or not his running blades were giving him an unfair advantage over able-bodied athletes. In 2007, the IAAF basically banned, quote, any technical device that incorporates springs, wheels, or any other element that provides a user with an advantage over another athlete not using such a device. Which basically means that Oscar wouldn't be allowed to compete in the 2008 Olympics. But this initial rule didn't stop him. Oscar challenged this new rule set by the IAAF. And on May 16th, 2008, the Court of Arbitration for Sport actually agreed with Oscar that it wasn't ethical for the IAAF to exclude him from the Olympics and that his running blades didn't give him an unfair advantage over his competition. But just because he was technically allowed to participate in the Games, he still had to qualify for the Olympic team for South Africa. And after several failed races, he wasn't able to qualify for the team, and he instead decided to participate in the 2008 Paralympics. But this didn't stop him from continuing to pursue his dream of competing in the Olympics. And on July 4th, 2012, his dreams finally came true when the South African Sports Confederation and the Olympic Committee announced that he has been selected to compete on the 2012 Olympics team for both the 400-meter race and the 4x400-meter relay. In 2012, Oscar Pistorius became the first amputee runner to compete at an Olympic game. He finished in eighth place during the semifinals of the 400-meter, 
and also finished in eighth place in the 4 by 400 relay final for South Africa. His place in the 2012 Olympic Games really didn't matter too much in the eyes of sports. Just the accomplishment of being able to qualify and compete in the Olympics as a double amputee was pretty incredible in itself. If you didn't know who Oscar Pistorius was, after watching the 2012 Olympics, the entire world knew who he was. He became Blade Runner. He had the entire world's attention, and he became a huge celebrity. He appeared on the Italian version of Celebrity Survivor, Dancing with the Stars. He was a guest on practically every television talk show, including The Tonight Show with Jay Leno and Larry King Now. He was a star. And... With this newfound fame, he also had a lot of girls and girlfriends by his side. He dated models. He dated actresses. Very beautiful women were seen right next to Oscar Pistorius. One of the women Oscar dated was a South African model by the name of Riva Steenkamp. Riva was incredibly beautiful. She was a model for Avon Cosmetics, and she had been a celebrity contestant on the BBC lifestyle show Baking Made Easy. And in the year 2011, she was ranked number 40 in the FHM 100 Sexiest Women in the World. Oscar Pistorius met Riva in November 2012. They were actually introduced to each other by a mutual friend at a race car track, and the two of them hit it off almost instantly. Oscar and Riva quickly became a couple, and the two were seen out together in public over the next few months. But their relationship came as a bit of a shock to Oscar's ex on and off again girlfriend, Samantha Taylor. In fact, Samantha found out that Oscar was dating Riva after she was watching television and saw the couple together on a red carpet appearance. And more about Samantha Taylor and Oscar's relationship is going to come up in just a bit. So Oscar and Riva continue dating over the next few months. By some accounts, they had a loving, great relationship together. And then by other accounts, not so much. The exact nature of their relationship is going to come up in much more detail in the story. But for now... Let's get to the early morning hours of Thursday, February 14th, 2013, Valentine's Day. On the night of February 13th, 2013, Riva spent the night at Oscar's place in South Africa. The following morning on Valentine's Day, paramedics and police were called to Oscar's house because there had been a shooting. When first responders arrive at the house, they find out that Oscar's girlfriend, Riva, is the one who's been shot. 
Oscar had carried Reva downstairs. And when first responders got there, he had his fingers inside her mouth to try and keep her airway open. And he also had a hand on her hip trying to stop the bleeding. Police quickly moved Oscar into the kitchen so that the paramedics could begin working to try and save Reva's life. But Reva was pronounced dead at the scene from the gunshot wounds. She had been shot four times from close range. Police notified Oscar, who's in the other room in the kitchen, that Reva is dead. That there was absolutely nothing the paramedics could do to save her life. The beautiful 29-year-old model has been shot to death. So Oscar is taken down to the police station in order to get his version of events that night. And what he tells police is completely shocking. So let's get into Oscar's story first. Oscar tells police that he and Reva went to bed the night before around 10 p.m. Normally, he sleeps on the right side of the bed, but this night he slept on the left because he's been dealing with a shoulder injury. A couple hours later, around 3 o'clock in the morning, he's woken up because of the heat and humidity that night. According to Oscar, Reva is already awake, and she turns to him and says, You can't sleep? To which Oscar replies, No. And he starts to make his way out of the bed. On his stumps, because he doesn't put on his legs, he gets out of bed to go out on the balcony to move the fan inside of the room to try and cool the bedroom down. While Oscar's moving the fan inside, according to his version of events, he hears a noise coming from the bathroom, a noise so similar to a window opening. He immediately thinks someone is trying to break into the house, that there is an intruder. Still on his stumps, he goes back to the bed and he grabs the 9mm pistol that he keeps underneath the mattress. He tells his girlfriend Reva to call the police. And then he makes his way back down the hall towards the bathroom where he believes the intruder is. Oscar leaned on the wall in the hallway for support. Again, he doesn't have his legs on. He then moves down the hallway and sees that the bathroom window is open. He says he yelled out towards the intruder and he tells them to get the blank out of the house. And then once again, he yells back to Reva to call the police. Next thing that happens Oscar thinks he hears something coming from the bathroom where the toilet is, and he immediately fires four bullets through the closed door without thinking, just bam, 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 bam. 
After firing the shots through the bathroom door, Oscar goes back to the bedroom and he feels around the bed for his girlfriend, Reba. But he can't find her. He thinks she might be hiding on the floor. Maybe she's hiding behind the curtain. After a few minutes of searching for her, he then realizes that it's Reva who's the one inside of the bathroom. Still on his stumps, he goes back to the bathroom and finds that the bathroom door is locked from the inside. He tried to kick down the door, nothing. So he goes back to the bedroom where he puts his legs on, pulls back the curtains, and he starts screaming, screaming for someone, anyone to help. He returns to the bathroom door with his cricket bat, and he uses the cricket bat to break open the door into the bathroom where Reva is. That's when he picks Reva up and takes her downstairs and calls for paramedics. So that is the story that Oscar Pistorius told police about the night of February 13th and the early morning of Valentine's Day, February 14th. But pretty quickly, police took issue with most of Oscar's story. The most obvious question was, how could he not know that Reva got out of bed and went to use the bathroom? Did he really think there was an intruder locked inside of his bathroom? When police showed up that morning, they found two iPhones and two Blackberries on the bathroom floor where Reva was shot. They also found blood spatter on the duvet cover that was on Oscar's bed. Pretty quickly, the South African police doubted Oscar's story that he believed there was an intruder trying to break in through the bathroom window. Even though South Africa has a high crime rate and home invasions are far too common, Police just couldn't get past the idea that Oscar didn't see or hear Reva get up out of bed and go to the bathroom, especially since he was awake moving the fan inside from the back patio. So this is an interesting case because it's not a whodunit. We know who shot and killed Reva. Police know who shot and killed Reva. Oscar admitted right from the beginning that he was the one who shot and killed his girlfriend. So who the shooter is in this case really isn't the question. The question is, was this an accident? Did Oscar really believe that it was an intruder inside the bathroom And that's why he fired four shots? Or was this a cold-blooded murder staged to look like something else? Well, the South African police didn't buy this intruder theory. And Oscar Pistorius was arrested and charged with Riva's murder. When the news broke about Riva's death and Oscar's subsequent arrest, 
it became headline news heard pretty much around the world. Oscar Pistorius, who the world knew and loved as Blade Runner, is now being accused of murdering his model girlfriend in cold blood. Here we have this Paralympic athlete, a double amputee, who competed in several Paralympics and the Olympics, a mega sports star. Now he's accused of being a murderer. It was headline news for weeks. Thousands, literally thousands of people showed up to the South African court where Oscar was set to be arraigned. Prosecutors in the case were charging Oscar with murder. They argued that Oscar willfully and intentionally murdered Reva Steenkamp that early Valentine's Day morning. That he knew there was no intruder inside the house. The trial against Oscar Pistorius was set to begin on March 3rd, 2014. Both the prosecution and the defense were prepared to present their version of events as to what really happened that night. Now, we've already talked about Oscar's version of events, but what about the prosecution? Well, according to the prosecution, Oscar never thought there was an intruder trying to break into his house that night. They argued that Oscar shot and killed Reva after the couple got into an argument that night. At trial, prosecutors started from the very beginning of the night. So Oscar claimed that him and Reva watched some TV together and went to bed around 10 p.m., But the medical examiner found undigested food in Reva's stomach, which suggests that Reva ate within two hours of her death at three o'clock that morning, which is much later than what Oscar said. Prosecutors called a couple of Oscar's neighbors as witnesses who claimed that they heard arguing and yelling coming from Oscar's house about an hour before they heard the four gunshots. Oscar's claim that he didn't see Reva get up from the bed is countered by the prosecution's argument that Oscar could see enough to be able to do a couple things. So when Oscar got out of bed, he was able to pick Reva's jeans up from the floor and he also covered up an LED light. So he could see a pair of jeans on the floor but claimed it was too dark to see if Reva had gotten out of bed or not. And when police searched the house, Reva's jeans were inside out on the floor while all of her other possessions were neatly folded inside of her overnight bag. The prosecution said that's because she intended on putting those jeans on after they started arguing, and she wanted to leave. The prosecution maintained that 
Oscar didn't hear someone trying to break in the house because the couple spent most of the night arguing. And while they were fighting, Reva leaves the bedroom, taking her cell phone with her, and locks herself in the bathroom in order to try and get away from Oscar. Reva's cell phone was with her and was found still in the bathroom when police arrived. The prosecution claimed that Reva was trying to leave Oscar. She took the cell phone in order to either call or text someone to come get her. Remember, Oscar told police that he shouted and yelled at the alleged intruder to get out. He also yelled back to Reva to call the police. Well, the prosecution said that it's impossible for Reva to have not responded to his cries. He still thinks Reva is in bed, and he yells at the intruder, and he yells at Reva to call for help, but He doesn't hear Reva say one single word back. She doesn't yell. She doesn't say anything. Nothing. Maybe, just maybe, this would have been a red flag that like, hey, in Oscar's mind, something's wrong here. Five neighbors of Oscar's come forward and said that they heard a woman screaming just moments before the sound of gunfire, suggesting that Reva was screaming at Oscar, possibly because she knew she was just about to be shot. Okay, so we've got the undigested food in Reva's stomach, suggesting that they were awake way longer than Oscar said. And we have neighbors saying they heard a woman screaming right before the sounds of gunfire. All pretty circumstantial, right? So what about the forensic evidence? Well, to be honest, there's not much. Again, it's not a whodunit type of case. So prosecutors needed to find any forensic evidence that would contradict what Oscar was saying happened that night. So a firearms ballistics expert, Captain Christian Magdina, testified that he believed Reva was standing up in the bathroom, facing the closed door when she was first hit in the right hip. He believes that she then fell backwards onto a magazine rack that was right next to the toilet before three more bullets were fired through the door. One bullet missed Reva and ricocheted off the wall twice. She was then hit two more times, one in the arm and the other went right through her hand and into her skull as she crossed her arm over her head to try and protect herself. So far, this all pretty much lines up with what Oscar said. He admitted to firing into the bathroom door four times at the alleged intruder. But 
The forensic firearms ballistics expert said he believed there was a gap between the first and second bullets being fired. This all falls in line with what the neighbors said about hearing a shot, then a pause, followed by three more shots. This also means that Reva may have had some time to scream before she fell to the floor, which again is supported by five neighbors' testimony. The defense team called pathologist Jan Botha, who basically said that if Oscar fired his gun in two quick bursts, Reva wouldn't have had time to scream. Basically, she would have been killed almost instantly. Botha also said that analyzing Reva's stomach contents to determine when she last ate and to try and get an idea of when the couple went to bed that night is, quote, a highly controversial and inexact science. Now, whether or not you believe the prosecution or the defense when it comes to the ballistic evidence and Reva's stomach contents, it doesn't look good for Oscar that several neighbors testified to hearing screams and arguing that night. Or the simple argument that Oscar didn't hear or see Reva get up from the bed and go into the bathroom. In fact, in his own story, he never even saw the alleged intruder. He just thought there was an intruder and without hesitating, fired four bullets into a closed door. There was a lot of discussion and debate at trial regarding the nature of Oscar and Reva's relationship. During the trial, text messages sent from Reva to Oscar just a few weeks before she was killed were read. And in one of these text messages, Reva wrote, quote, I'm scared of you sometimes and how you snap at me and how you react to me. Then there were messages of Oscar basically accusing Reva of flirting with another guy. Now, these are just a handful of bad text messages between them out of literally thousands of loving messages. But when Reva ends up shot and dead just a couple weeks after telling Oscar she's afraid of him sometimes, well, that just doesn't look good for anybody. At trial, the prosecution also called Oscar's ex-girlfriend, Samantha Taylor, who we talked a little bit about earlier to the stand. Samantha and Oscar were dating right before Oscar met Reva. And Samantha painted this nightmare picture about her relationship with Oscar. According to Samantha, she was mentally and physically abused by him for years, He would bite her, pinch her out of anger. He would lock her inside of his house without any food. Samantha described a relationship with Oscar Pistorius as being a relationship from hell. 
So now we have Oscar's longtime on and off again ex-girlfriend basically speaking to his character. She's painting a picture that he isn't the quote Blade Runner the world thinks that he is. And I think the prosecution put Samantha Taylor on the stand to basically say, hey, this guy is a terrible boyfriend. If he can abuse Samantha for years, he can most certainly kill Reva. The defense team called in a forensic psychologist, Meryl Vorster, and the psychologist testified that Oscar had generalized anxiety disorder since childhood. The forensic psychologist pointed to the amputation of his legs at just 11 months old, the divorce of his parents when he was six, and the death of his mother at age 15, all of which contributed to his anxiety. So the argument is that because he suffers from anxiety, he really believed someone was trying to break into the house, and out of this anxiety, he shot through the bathroom door. But when the court assembled a panel of four forensic psychologists to conduct a psychological evaluation on Oscar, the doctors didn't find any evidence to support a mental illness diagnosis. The doctors testified that Oscar most certainly knew right from wrong that night. So the court system in South Africa is a little different than what we have here in the United States. There are no jury trials. So Oscar's case and every other criminal case are heard in front of a judge. So Oscar's case was argued in front of Judge Masipa, a female judge who had been appointed to the South African bench by President Nelson Mandela. The prosecution and defense issued their closing arguments on August 7th and 8th, and then the case was in the hands of the judge. And it wasn't until September 12th when the judge finally came back with a decision in the case. And she found that the prosecution had not proven beyond a reasonable doubt that Oscar did in fact intend to kill Reva. So she acquitted him of murder, but found him guilty of the much lesser sentence and charge of culpable homicide. And she also found him guilty of one firearm-related charge. A culpable homicide charge is basically an equivalent to our manslaughter charge here in the States. The judge's ruling came as a huge shock. I think most people believed that Oscar Pistorius was going to be found guilty of murdering Riva. No one believed Oscar's story that he thought there was an intruder inside of his bathroom, that it was impossible not to hear her get out of bed. And even so, he could fire four bullets into a door when he's not even sure who's behind that door. No one, and I mean no one, expected this. 
Just a few weeks later, on October 12th, 2004, Oscar was sentenced to a maximum of five years in prison for killing Riva. Just like the verdict, the sentence came as a complete and utter shock to pretty much the entire world. People were shocked that he was found not guilty of intentionally killing Riva and that he would only serve a maximum of five years in prison. And well, he didn't serve very much time because after just serving over a year in a maximum security jail in Pretoria, Oscar was released in October 2015 to serve the rest of his time under house arrest. The decision to release him early was cited as good behavior while in custody and the fact that he wasn't considered a danger to the community. The ruling of culpable homicide enraged many people, not just in South Africa, but throughout the world. Now, especially in South Africa, There's been a long history of women victims not receiving the justice when crimes are committed against them. This includes rape, sexual assault, domestic violence. Women have a long history of not being treated fairly by the criminal justice system in South Africa. And I think many people thought this case would be different. The case had a female judge. But ultimately, supporters of women's rights felt terribly let down by Judge Masipa. Here we have another white male committing a crime, murder, on a woman in South Africa. So given their long history, prosecutors vowed to appeal the judge's ruling, and that's exactly what they did. On November 4th, 2014, prosecutors applied to the sentencing judge, Judge Masipa, for permission to appeal the culpable homicide verdict. Judge Masipa ruled on December 10th, 2014, that the prosecution could challenge her ruling, but they weren't allowed to appeal the length of the sentence, meaning They could challenge the culpable homicide conviction, but his five-year prison sentence stands. So the appeal was heard on November 3rd, 2015 in the Supreme Court of Appeal in South Africa, which is basically a panel made up of five Supreme Court judges. And by a unanimous decision, the court overturned Oscar's culpable homicide conviction and found him guilty of murder. This was huge because this meant that the South African Supreme Court believed that Oscar must have known someone would die if he fired through a closed door. And that someone must have been Riva. What's also important about the Supreme Court's ruling was that it didn't really matter who was inside the bathroom that night. It's that no rational person, without even knowing who was behind the other side of the door, would fire multiple shots through it. 
So the culpable homicide verdict was replaced with a murder conviction. And Oscar's case was sent back to the trial court for a resentencing hearing. The people of South Africa and women rights supporters were extremely hopeful that this new conviction would bring a much longer prison sentence for Oscar Pistorius and an even greater sense of justice for Riva and her family. Now, during this time before the resentencing, Oscar remained free on bail under house arrest until that second hearing on July 6, 2016. This time, Judge Masipa, the same judge as the original trial, only gave him one additional year and sentenced him to six years in prison for murder which again came as a huge shock, even with the more serious charge of murder, he was only getting six years for killing Riva. Everyone kind of thought, okay, they changed his conviction to murder. Certainly he'll receive a longer prison sentence. But that's obviously not what happened. Once again, the criminal justice system in South Africa was failing their duty towards women and women victims. A few days later, on July 21st, 2016, the National Prosecuting Authority in South Africa made public their intention of appealing this second prison term, basically saying six years is far too lenient for a murder charge. So, the appeal hearing took place on August 26, 2016, where prosecutors argued for a longer prison sentence. Mind you, they're arguing in front of the exact same judge, Judge Masipa. Just like before, Judge Masipa stood by her sentence and said that the prosecution, quote, had no responsible prospect of success of securing a longer prison sentence, end quote. Judge Masipa had issued her ruling and her sentence, and she wasn't going to go back on her decision. But... The prosecution appealed Judge Masipa's ruling once again. I know there's so many appeals going on. But this time, the prosecution finally got a little bit more of what they were hoping for. Because on November 24th, 2017, the South African court increased Oscar's jail sentence to 13 years and five months for the murder of Riva. Now, you might think this is finally the end of it, but shortly after the November 2017 resentencing, the South African Supreme Court of Appeals changed the ruling and ruled his sentence to be increased to 15 years with credit for time served. So as it stands here in 2020, Oscar and his defense team have tried to appeal this decision, but their request has been denied. Currently, 
Oscar Pistorius is housed in a Pretoria prison, and he won't be eligible for parole until the year 2023. If you guys want to learn more about this story, there is a really good four-part documentary series on Amazon Prime called Pistorius. My fiance and I totally binged watched the entire series in one night, one weekend, and it's really, really good. Whether or not you believe Oscar intended to kill Riva, Whether he truly thought there was an intruder or he killed her during an argument, there is a lot of work to be done when it comes to women's rights in South Africa. Violence against women in South Africa has been described as a war. More than 2,700 women and over 1,000 children were murdered by men in 2018. And more than 100 rapes are reported each and every single day in South Africa. What we witnessed in the case of Oscar Pistorius and the murder of Riva Steenkamp has been seen as just another case in which the South African criminal justice system has failed women. The only difference was that the defendant was a famous Olympic athlete. Forensic Tales is a Rockefeller audio production. The show is written and produced by me, Courtney Fretwell. For a small monthly contribution, you can gain access to bonus content and be one of the first to listen to new weekly episodes. Or, if you simply want to support my show, head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Forensic Tales. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to Forensic Tales. Leaving us a rating with a review greatly helps support the show. Forensic Tales is a podcast made possible by our Patreon producers, Tony A., Nicole L., and William R. If you'd like to become a producer of the show, head over to our Patreon page or email me directly at Courtney at ForensicTales.com to find out how you can become involved. Please join me next week. We release a new episode every Monday. Until then, remember, not all stories have happy endings. 